What's up? This is your boy, Joshua Williams. This is the Hill Turn Podcast. Um, yesterday I dropped the first little gym. Well, today really, but um, yeah, man. And I'm going to keep the theme going. I um, had the best wrestlers yesterday of 2017. Um, so... Today I'm going to do top five tag teams. I'm going to talk about the uh, women's Royal Rumble, the first ever women's Royal Rumble. Let you know the participants that's in it so far. And um, got the best women wrestlers of 2017. And the best pay-per-views that involved wrestling, you dig. So I'm going to go into the list right now with the top five tag teams in the world right now at number five the revival come in the guys from nxt um their big match of 2017 was the nxt championship with a tag team championship well uh do it yourself there's johnny gagrano and uh and champa and you got the authors of pain it was a triple threat match. It, uh, had a lot of great spots in the match. You know, the authors of pain, you know, they're the bruisers of the match, so they had their time to shine as well. And Gargano and Ciampa are just the daredevils, basically. They were there to fill the spot, and the Revival are like an old-school Arn Anderson, Four Horsemen, Brain Busters type of tag team. So that's how they flourish. Okay, and at number four, we have the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tangaloa. Uh, they're in New Japan Pro Wrestling. They do work in Riga Honor, too. Um, they're in the Bullet Club. Uh, the best match that they had this year so far was the triple threat match that they had with um, Gorillas. Well, it was the Gorillas of Destiny. And Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Vance Archer, the little Twitter food they had going back and forth, made the match excited. And um, yeah, Gorillas of Destiny are actually Haku's son, if I'm not mistaken, or Ming's son. It's Ming. So yeah, if you remember WCW, you remember um, the Tongan Death Grip, you remember Ming. And at number three, we have another team that's associated with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is War Machine. Uh, Raymond Rowe. I forget the other guy's name right now. And I really love these guys. It's crazy that I forget his name. So don't hold it against my heart. Uh, I'll probably think of his name by the end of what I'm saying. Uh, these are two big guys. The one of them is 6'1", 270. The other one is like 6'4", 300. And they are, to me, the third best team in the world. Their best match that they had this year was at the New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor co-hosted event, Best of Both Worlds, uh, against LIJ. That was Evil and Sonata. And Search and Destroy, which is Grisham and uh, Saban. So they had a lot of good matches. They are another 
indie darling that just doesn't work within the confines of their company. They go out and branch out, and they make, you know, good wrestling, and they are some big fuckers, man, so I wouldn't want to be in the ring with those big bastards. Those are some big athletic... Oh, my goodness. Anyway. Uh, at number two, we have the Usos from the WWE... The best match that they had this year was at SummerSlam with the New Day. Uh, my favorite spot of the match was the pop-up, uh, well, they call it the Alley-Oos, the pop-up Samoan drop that they did. Uh, they pretty much popped them up and dropped them over the ropes to the outside and did like the alley So I thought that was pretty dope. And in the next little segment I will let you know who is number one and we're back and I'm here to give you the number one the head honcho the Quavo the Beyonce of the tag teams out right now in my opinion, like I said at number five, the revival from uh, NXT WWE, uh, Gorillas of Destiny, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, War Machine, Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, excuse me, The Usos, WWE, at number two, and my number one for the top five tag teams out there in the world are... Bullet Club's very own, the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson, better known as the Super Kick Party, make way when they come through, because when they hit you with that Super Kick, one, two, three, Jack, um, their best match, well, best matches that they had this year, in my opinion, was against uh, Rapungi Vice, that was uh, Rocky Romero and Trent Beretta. Especially the match that they had at Dominion 2017 at New Japan Pro Wrestling. They pretty much had a good match. Uh, basically, them going back and forth basically helped and made, you know, pretty much made the championship match more than what it was. And it also helped them elevate both teams, even though Matt and Nick really didn't need it. But it also helped the guys of Rapungi Vice, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta. Uh, as soon as, you know, they lost their titles, they split up. Trent Beretta is now in the heavyweight division of the New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, he had a match against Kenny Omega that was pretty good. And yeah, man, so like I said, those are my top five teams. The Young Bucks at number one. The Usos, number two. War Machine, number three. Gorillas of Destiny, number four. And The Revival. So, top five tag teams of 2017 I really couldn't do a top 10 in my opinion because 
There's so many good teams out there, but these are the five teams that really stuck out to me. And the top five teams that you could watch out for, you could easily do a top ten. I know a lot of people were saying New Day ain't up here and Rusev Day isn't up here, but New Day is, you know, a fresher act. Uh, Rusev Day really is just taking off. So, yeah, man, I can only do a top five. Sue me if it's a problem. Comment, say something. Let me know. But um, next, we're going to do, we're going to talk about, well, I'm going to talk about my thoughts uh, on the Women's Royal Rumble. I'm going to let you know the participants that are slated to be there. I'm going to let you know by brand. Uh, SmackDown and Raw, who's participating in SmackDown, who's participating in Raw, um, who I think should win, and the rules, regulations to a standard Royal Rumble match, you know, the same thing is going to go for the women as the men, so I just want to give a recap on the rules of uh, Royal Rumble match, basically. And like I said, I'm going to give you the participants who I think should win, who I think they are going to pick, and do I think a woman's Royal Rumble will be successful, and basically just my opinion on the woman's revolution in in WWE, as they call it, and in sports, period. So, yeah, um, next little segment's coming up, Women's Royal Rumble. And, uh, what's up? We're back. Uh, this segment is going to be about the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, all the beautiful women that are participating in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble match. I'm going to give you guys the rules to a Royal Rumble match, which is, you have to be pretty stupid if you don't know. Like, even if you are a casual fan, if you don't know the rules to a Royal Rumble match. Anyway, um, the Royal Rumble match is basically a standard match. It's a 30 participant uh, man match or woman match. Uh, it first starts off with two people, and as many wrestlers as can fit in the ring can be in there. A uh, wrestler, a uh, male or female wrestler, is eliminated when both of their feet hit the floor by being thrown out over top of the rope. You can't get uh, eliminated from the match, basically, on some bullshit if I get thrown through the middle of the ropes, if I get thrown through the bottom of the ropes, I'm still in the damn match. I can pop back up and surprise you, and they're gonna eliminate you, and you thought you won the match, but guess what, bitch? I won. Nothing you can do about it. Get over it. But no, um, seriously, um, I'm gonna tell you the participants in the match from SmackDown you have Naomi, you have Ruby Riot, you have Natalia, you have Carmella, you have Tamina, 
you have Lana, you have Liv Morgan, you have Sarah Logan, and you have the last kicker, Becky Lynch. Uh, then you go to Raw, you have Oscar, you have Sasser Banks, you have Bailey, you have the team of Sanya Deville, Paige, and Mandy Rose, Absolution, you have Nia Jax, and you have Mickey James. But um, so far, the thing that is puzzling me and making me like scratch my head, really, about how they are announcing it, they are doing a good job announcing it. It's not that. It's just when I look at it and I'm starting to pay attention, it is way more damn SmackDown women participants in the match so far than Raw, so to speak. I want to say just me off the top of the head, I only named probably seven or eight Raw superstars, but I know I was at least in the double digits with SmackDown superstars, so maybe something's going on with that. Hopefully they will do uh, um, the same thing that they do with the men. They have surprise entries. They have... You know, they really use the Royal Rumble like, not trying to say it in a bad way, but basically the Royal Rumble itself is a storytelling match, but it's a fucking nostalgia act at the same time because they pull in these WWE legends, which I'm eventually have to have like a podcast on how I feel about these part-timers and working and getting championships and barely defending their championships and basically holding on to it for a year while other guys out here deserve to get it. But this isn't about the men. This is about the women. Like I said, um, and I'm going to have to continue this one in the next segment. I knew this one was going to run over, so it's probably going to be two segments. But um, do I think that this match can work? For women, not trying to sound sexist, I don't think it is going to be as clean a match as a man, uh, a men's Royal Rumble. But do I think it could be great? I didn't think that a women's Hell in a Cell match would be great until Charlotte and um, Sasha Banks proved me wrong. I didn't think that... um, a steel cage match by a woman would be great, but these women prove me wrong. Every time I think negative or think a certain way, they prove me wrong. Like I was saying, um, do I think that... I don't think that... And when I say this, I don't want it to come off like I said the sex is I'm off for women's rights and all that, man. But at the same time... I don't think that a woman's Royal Rumble match will be as clean. The eliminations aren't going to be as clean as a man's Royal Rumble. It's not the case of do I think they could deliver a great match because the women in the past, since to be honest with you, 2015 has been delivering better matches than WWE than the men have. The women have taken over. You won't, it won't be too far to when I feel like a woman 
they will have no choice but to have triple main events. And one of those main events will be a woman, a woman's championship. So, yeah, man, like, I, I, I think it will be good. Um, out of the names that I named, I could see them going with Tamina for a swerve. I could see them going with Asuka. I could see them... It would be interesting to see Carmella, um, the first woman's money in the bank, Miss Money in the Bank. It would be interesting to see if she wins the Women's Royal Rumble, what they would do after she wins it. Or could she, if she loses, could she damn instantly cash in her Money in the Bank contract to... You know what I'm saying? Like, basically, and to, to sum it up, Money in the Bank con- is uh, basically like if they have a contract in a briefcase for a championship match anytime that they want to. Uh, so, with you being under the Royal Rumble, you automatically get a title shot. You automatically get a title shot. So, it will be interesting to see Carmella at least get looked at. My pick will be Nia Jax. Um, Well, I'd be surprised if she didn't win it. No. Um, because WWE's booking is that horrible right now. In my opinion. So, I wouldn't be surprised. Right. For the casual fan that doesn't know who Nia Jax is, she is a very beautiful woman. But she is strong as hell. She's a war cover too. Um, who can I compare it to? She's like a female Mark Henry. But more beautiful. Hmm. Like, Nia Jax is bad. Like, not only can she wrestle, and can probably out-wrestle some men. But... She is bad, man. Anyway, I hope that the match goes great, and I would love to see the spots because, you know, the WWE are at a point where they have the most athletic women, basically, in the world. So, I would love to see this match I hope they make history again like I said I hope they have you know mystery participants that come out I 
I think it'd be dope, man. Women's Revolution in sports, man. Rock on. I love it. Okay. This is my last segment, my last category of the best of 2017. I gave you the top 10 wrestlers in their best matches. I'm giving you the top 10 women's wrestlers in their matches. I'm giving you the top 5 tag teams in the world. Shout out to the Biz Clears to Sweet Me. I'm giving you guys the heads up. Oh, and by the way, Triple H has been in talks with Ronda Rousey from the UFC. So don't be surprised if you see Ronda Rousey in the Women's Royal Rumble coming up in January. Don't be, I mean, it's coming up. Don't be surprised. Um, and then, now, I'm giving you the top 10 wrestling pay-per-views of 2017. And to be honest, man, I'm surprised. I'm very surprised. Um, I'm looking at this list and half of them are WWE, but they're the ones that you wouldn't expect. So, like I said, these are my favorite ones. I'm going to give you the top 10 pay-per-views, my favorite moments of the pay-per-views, the best matches, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, starting at number 10 with WrestleMania 33. Um, it really wasn't that good of a WrestleMania, but not to take away from the moments that it had. It had the return of the Hardy Boys and the latter match for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Um, you had Brock versus Goldberg and their match for the global, well not global, I'm sorry, the Universal Championship. You had um, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. You also had Taker versus Roman Reigns, which I will tell anybody. Let me spit this gum out. The match was lackluster at best, but the storytelling was phenomenal. It showed the Undertaker's spirit. It showed how he wouldn't give up in the way that he left the ring. Anybody that left that night with dry eyes, I would like to get a dollar from them because I know that's the only time that it made I wrestling ever got to me emotionally. Um, at number nine, uh, it's really not a pay-per-view, to be honest. It's more of a tournament, but you do have to buy it like a pay-per-view fourth that's why it's labeled as a pay-per-view is the G1 Climax 
I only care about the finals. I don't care about the pre stuff, the semifinals, the quarterfinals. I don't care about that. I only care about the finals. I like to see the buildup, yes, but I don't care about anything but the finals. And Kenny Omega and Naoto from LIJ. I hope I said his name right. Naito. Naito. I'm thinking I'm saying it right. Their match was the longest in G1 uh, Climax history. Um, Naito went on to face the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada in the January 4th Tokyo Dome show at Wrestle Kingdom for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And he lost, but the next day at the New Year Dash, the equivalent of the first Raw after WrestleMania, Chris Jericho attacked him and basically set up a feature storyline for these guys to fight each other. At number eight, at the um, top ten wrestling pay-per-views, I'm going to say it would be the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. The highlights of that pay-per-view was Aleister Black versus Hideo Itami. You had Asuka versus Amber Moon. And you had Drew McIntyre going against Bobby Roode. He captured the title. And then you had the debut. Debut. I said it like I was French. But the debut of the Undisputed Era as a whole unit. Um, you got to see Kyle O'Reilly and my man Bobby Fish, formerly known as Red Dragon. Um, you saw them early, and then you saw Adam Cole make a shocking appearance, super kicking the shit out of Drew McIntyre. Um, and basically letting you guys know that Adam Cole, baby, is in NXT. And I'm so stupid that I didn't even put him in the top 10. Listen, he's my guy. He's the only three-time Ring of Honor champion. And he's young as fuck to be able to be a three-time Ring of Honor champion. He's only like 28, 29. So, he's basically still a kid. Um... At number seven, we have another NXT takeover at Orlando. You have Alistair Black going against Cien Almas. You have the triple threat match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. For, um, yeah, you have DIY. You have the Revival, you have the Authors of Pain, they had a championship match for them. Um, you had Shinsuke Nakamura versus Bobby Roode, that was a dope-ass match. Um, number six, I had the Royal Rumble, it had Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. I really love that match. I love the storytelling of that match. Um, it was cool. The whole Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens dynamic of 2017 made him my 
number seven in my top ten because they had that dynamic that made that made wrestling fun again for a little while as long as they was together. Uh, it was also known that night that AJ Styles and Cena would go against each other and it was the night that John Cena tied Ric Flair. Woo! Had to hit that Ric Flair drip. Shout out Offset 21 Savage. Metro Boomin. If you don't trust you, I'm going to shoot you. But yeah, that's when he tied Ric Flair. The wheeling and dealing, kiss stealing, jet flying, champagne sipping, panty dipping, son of a gun. Um, it, you also had, oh yeah, man, I'm tripping. Got to my daggone Ric Flair rant. Uh, and that was also the night that Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble and set up the match to where after John Cena won the championship, he lost the championship to damn Bray Wyatt. So it set up Bray Wyatt and Orton facing each other while Orton was in the, you know, the Wyatt family. And he turned on the Wyatt family plan to basically break them up with going within the Wyatt family. Uh, if you guys remember, or if you don't know, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton became SmackDown Tag Team Champions for a little while, and they defended the championships of the Freebird Rule, like uh, dang, uh, the New Day do. And basically, man, it was it was a good WrestleMania match, and you know, could have been better, but. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's basically, like I was saying, that's basically what the Royal Rumble is for, and the way that they set the matchup was brilliant, the way that they set the storyline up for Orton versus Wyatt was brilliant. Um, number five would be the WWE TLC 2017 with uh, Styles versus Balor. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be, you know, the Demon King against Sister Abigail. Sister Abigail. That's Bray Wyatt and drag, basically. Um, but Bray Wyatt got sick with the mumps. So he wasn't able to perform at Russell at that pay-per-view. Uh, you also saw the return after 12 years of Kurt Angle wrestling in a WWE ring with the Shield against Cesaro, um, Cesaro, Sheamus, The Miz, Braun Strowman, and Kane. Um, if you remember that match, it was a good match, but Roman Reigns not being in the Shield didn't still make it feel like it was the Shield. Uh, and then you had Oscar versus Alicia Fox, and it was basically a big hype match. It was built up. Alicia Fox had won the right to face Oscar in her first match with 
the uh, main roster, and it was pretty much a squash match in a sense, but it was still a good match. Um, at number four, you have the WWE No Mercy of 2017. That would be with the matches featured with Baylor versus Wyatt. That was Baylor going Demon King and telling basically, you know, I got my demons too. You have anytime you see or you hear about Finn Balor going Demon King. Uh, when he was in New Japan Pro, he was famous for doing face paints. He would do a Spider-Man face paint. One time he came out as Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. One time he had his face painted like the Joker from The Dark Knight. He was infamous for that, and they brought it to WWE and basically gave a watered-down version of that with the Demon King, basically. Uh, so it was Baylor versus Wyatt. Uh, Rollins and Ambrose defended their championships against the bar. Uh, you had Lesnar versus Strowman for the WWE Universal Championship. I honestly felt it was stupid for Strowman for you guys to build him up and then have him lose. Brock Lesnar, the way that he lost to Brock Lesnar after basically decimated him, uh, it was just crazy as fuck, bro, I was like, are you gonna build a character, build a guy for definitely six months, going to get your guys' top guy that you want to go into the future, you build him up as this guy, and as soon as he meets up with Brock Lesnar, huh, you guys are ready to Drop the money train. I don't understand it, but hey, it's not for me to understand. And then you had Cena versus Reigns. The build up to those matches, the promos were awesome. Uh, Cena schooled Reigns, and it also showed Reigns that if you want to be the big dog, you want to be the top guy of WWE, you have to bring it inside the ring and outside the ring and don't use pills. Don't be out here popping these Adderalls. You want to be the big dog, you got to make it clean, big dog. Everybody out here before you made it clean, your cousin Rock made it clean. Don't tarnish your fucking family legacy. You are a, I, I feel like Roman Reigns gets a bad rep because of the internet wrestling community. I feel like Roman Reigns can wrestle his ass off. I feel like he's a top guy. I feel like he's a war course. I feel like he is one of the best guys in the ring. Damn. Anyway, lost my train of thought. Ah, uh, let's just keep it going. Number three, I have the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion June 11th show of the year 2017. You had Tanahashi versus Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Uh, you have the Young Bucks versus Rapungi Vice, Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. That match is good. You know, you're always going to get a good match from the Young Bucks most of the time. Um, and then you had Okada versus Omega 2 for the IWGP 
World Heavyweight Championship. Another six-star match that broke Dave Meltzer's, you know, star meter. Uh, and pretty much propelled these guys into superstardom. Um, number two, the second best pay-per-view to me of 2017 is NXT TakeOver War Games, man. You had a, a, a guy basically straight from the 1980s, a kid, 23, 24 years old, by the name of Velveteen Dream. Do you know how hard it is for a guy named Velveteen Dream to get over in this day and age? This is not the Attitude Era. This is the PG Era in WWE. So, uh, Velveteen Dream is a freaking freakish athlete. He's a mixture of Gold Dust, Rick Rude, and he has a little bit of I would like to say uh, a little Prince in him. Yeah, if I would have to say, even though Prince is not a wrestler. Uh, you had Lars versus Cassius Uno, a.k.a. Chris Hero and PWG and Indie Thing. Uh, that was pretty good. You know, it, Chris Hero can elevate anybody and make a good match with anybody. He's a dope-ass wrestler. Um, you had the bringing back my favorite pay-per-view with WCW, uh, the War Games. You had the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish going against the team of Roddy Strong and the Authors of Pain going against Sanity that's a team of Alexander Wolf, uh, my man Eric Young and I always forget the other guy's name um, I can't think of his name right now like I said, don't hold it against my heart, man. I'm just forgetful. I have short-term memory like hell. Um, and the Undisputed Era ended up winning the match. The best part of the match was when Roddy Strong basically suplexed Adam Cole onto everybody that was in the damn match. It was a high spot. It was a dope spot. It was a mean spot. It was probably the best spot of the whole night. Uh, besides when uh, the Authors of Pain basically hip-tossed Roddy Strong from one ring to the next ring and basically made it like a flip plancha. Basically, basically a plancha or whatever you want to know for you casual fans. It's basically somebody running and jumping and flipping over the top rope. I know you might have remember Rey Mysterio doing some planches or something like that to that nature. Uh, and number one is um, everybody should know if you are a wrestling fan, like I said, these matches from this pay-per-view shaped the damn wrestling world 
It had some of the best matches. It had a lot of the matches that set up the future. 